podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. So welcome everybody to a Macklin's Take Fight Week special. It's a, it's a big week of course, so myself and Matt Macklin are both over in Saudi Arabia, so we thought we'd break with the norm this week and bring you some extra podcasts. We had Frank Smith on Tuesday of course, and we recorded that one a little while ago, but we've recruited some help today and we'll be bringing you one of these on, on Sunday as well. Matt Macklin only just made it in time because he actually missed his flight. Uh, we were all supposed to fly over on Tuesday with Sky. I've thrown him straight under the bus there, but that was always going to happen. Uh, there was a, an amusing scramble at the airport when he actually did get there in time because he was so early for the time he thought it was, but they wouldn't let him through the gate. He, he phoned Johnny Nelson to, to help him, which, which Macklin, horrific choice of <laughs> Is person that your to phone ring. a friend? <laughs> yeah. Johnny actually called me saying, where are you? And uh, I, I was still kind of panicking about getting my flight sorted so I, I, I could still get over there, uh, you know, 24 hours later that uh, Johnny calls me and goes, where are you? I can't see you. He must have, you know, he presumed I was there. And I said, no, I said, they're not letting me on. Anyway, we're here now. That's all that matters. We are here now. And, and the voice you will have recognised in the background there is Dave Coldwell. He's joined us and so is Tom Little. Uh, it's great to have you both with us. Dave, you've got Hopi Price on the bill. Tom, you're fighting on the bill. Uh, and you put your training back today for us just to do this, which is great because I know that, well, you two have been here longer than we have. You've been here for a few days now, so you're better yeah. equipped to fill us in on what this experience has been like so far. And I think, Tom, it's been a case of of desperately trying to kill time in a way. Yeah, well, I've done a lot of counting bricks and um, pavement slabs outside. It's uh, It's been fun, but antagonising at times. But all I've heard is that there's people having problems with flights. So I got stranded in Istanbul. Dean White had to struggle someone trying to open the emergency door. And he, well, you were just late. <laughs> <laughs> I was just late. I just got it wrong. No, I won't even late. I was actually early for the time that I thought I was meant just, to just be. Just let it go. Just yeah, let I mean, it go. Just, yeah, just got the time wrong, though. That's all. <laughs> so, Dave, how have you found it over here so far? Yeah, I'll, I'll, um, I'll share Tom's sentiments on that one. It's, it, listen, it's the hotel that we're in, it's beautiful. Um, there's not a lot to do. Uh, the food's great if you can eat what you want, but if you're on a diet or if you're eating healthy, then you're kind of like, it's nice but expensive. Um, but yeah, there's not a lot to do. There's there's nothing around. It's 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 a little bit strange. We're in a little bubble here in the hotel. Um, today's the longest day because there's nothing boxing-wise to do. It's like we, we, get, we, we arrived Tuesday morning, 7 a.m., had three hours sleep up at 11 and then we had the uh, public workout in the afternoon so we was back down here ready to go for three o'clock and that took all us night up then yesterday we had the uh, the press conference so that took all us night up today there's nothing no boxing wise so when when you got in touch with me andy and said she fancy doing this podcast i was like dancing a jig in my hotel room oh mate i had people throwing themselves at me yesterday <laughs> when i suggested that we were gonna that we were gonna do this um and Tom, from your point of view, obviously you've got a fight to, to think about. Magomadrazal, Major Dov, you, you saw him in the flesh yesterday. Very good fighter. I've watched him in the amateurs a lot. Uh, three-time world amateur champion, Olympian. But this is the kind of thing you like, isn't it? Because you've, your boxer likes of Daniel Dubois, Philip Hergovic, and you're not, one to, you're not one to turn down a fight, that's for sure. No, listen, I'm, I'm not about turning down fights, but do you know what? This fight genuinely did make make sense to me stylistically wise like I'm, I'm not just over here oh yeah being the hero coming to pick up a paycheck oh, I've, I've looked at certain aspects of Majidov and his amateur 
career and what what he likes to do stylistically, and it do suit suit me, for, especially from like obviously you've got to be very fit to stand in front of someone like him because he, his pressure's kind of relentless. Um, but I, the way I look at him, he, he's he's basic but effective. So I just need to nullify his attributes, which I think my style do quite quite well. So. It was really a no-brainer, really. I, I thought to myself, I've got, I'm, I need a big win. I'm not in the place where oh, I can just take these because I want to take them. I've, I'm coming off of a, cu- a couple of losses. I need a big win to put me in in good stead for the new year. For for some good, I'm not looking above my station. I literally want some good domestic fights, like um, like British titles, Commonwealth titles, even English title. I'd, what whatever whatever comes my way, really. But I'm not over here thinking I'm, I'm going to go and beat him and go and conquer the world Like I'm, I'm not looking past where I've got my plan for 2020 Well the arena is, is, is pretty unbelievable, we went over there yesterday for some, for some fighter meetings with, with Andy Ruiz and, and AJ and the, the canopy is it's like nothing I've ever seen, it's absolutely enormous and just off to the side where we did the meetings are these specially constructed VIP Houses almost. It's like walking into a kind of furniture showroom, and apparently all of this is disappearing within a week or so. It's what I imagine Formula One is like when they just take that circus all around the world, construct everything, and then take it down again. It's 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 something else. I mean, the, the aircon in there as well was just you know it was like standing in front of a, a jet engine. It was we had to try and turn it off at one point because the fighters were getting too cold. But it, it's it's a kind of um, I mean, you've all three of you actually, but but you've both come through. All levels of boxing, really. You, Dave, in particular, as a fighter yeah. and then as a promoter, and, and to be in these kinds of surroundings, nothing ever really surprises you in this sport. But, but as you said before, you, you look around at where you are here, and this is—I mean, this is pretty new for all of us, really. Yeah, it is. I mean, like you say, we've, we've been everywhere, and, but this is kind of like unique. I mean, yesterday, I mean, you missed it, Matt. Um, but at the press conference, <laughs> at the press conference. When we turned up at the press conference venue, it was um, it was just it was a like a you had a red carpet leading up to some set, some stairs into kind of like a big box, and it was a building that was just there. They, they had to use it um, for the press conference. It was little. It was a little room, but we had to use it. Downstairs was all food areas, and there was about three hundred people in this room that apparently has got a capacity for about eighty ninety. Um, it was just mad. There's all these little buildings that have popped up, like you're saying, just for this event. It's very surreal. Um, it just shows that money, the money that's here in this in this place. What, you know. what I love about boxing, uh, as an amateur pro now working in boxing, is you get to go to places that you'd never go yeah. to yeah. on a holiday. You know, and you know, this is a big experience. You know, it's um, you know, I love the fights in Vegas. Madison Square Garden was unbelievable. Love New York and yeah. the city. But in a way, I like that it's, it's here. It's something yeah, different. It's, it something is. New, it's an experience, and uh, I've come over really not really knowing what to expect. Mm. Um, like I said, I'm only I came in late, so I haven't seen much of it yet. But uh, I don't know. It's, it's again, yeah. It's like a, it's like a box tick, yeah. isn't it? Really, uh, it's, it's definitely an experience. I'm I'm interested to see what or feel what the atmosphere of fight night is going to be like because at the public workout, it was mad because. You started getting people drifting in, watch, watching all the undercard kids and, and everybody doing the little workouts. And it was a good crowd. But then when AJ got in and Rui got in, there was like a, a, 
a charge of electricity in the place. Yeah. And I don't mean on a noise level. It, it, it was weird. It wasn't like it didn't go all rowdy and noisy, but it could just feel the the electricity and and, and amongst everybody that was watching. It's going to be interesting what the atmosphere is going to be like on fight night because, like, like you say, you've, you've got this fantastic stadium that's being built, fantastic arena, the canopy. It's going to look it's going to look a million dollars, but what's the atmosphere going to be like when they come, when when the fighters come out and how is that going to affect them? Because one of one of the things that I've been thinking about, as far as Joshua's concerned, is that every fight he's had has been in front of thousands and it's been a big you know it's, it, even when it's coming through a big build up. When since he's been world champion, he's boxing in front of 80,000, 90,000 packed out arenas, packed out stadiums, noise, proper loud noise. You know, Matt, you know yourself, Tom. When you stood behind that curtain and you're about to do your ring walk, you can hear the vibe of the, of the crowd. You can, you can feel that charge of electricity, you can feel that atmosphere. How is that going to affect you when you're used to that? Then all of a sudden, if it's all quiet and it's all, you know, like it is in Japan and places like that, if it's very quiet, how's that going to affect Anthony Joshua? How's it going to affect Ruiz? But mainly Joshua because he's used to the to the noise and, and, and the crowd. And then when he's walking out, what's the atmosphere like? And then the fight itself. Now, when when you've boxed on small shows like dinner shows, I don't know if you ever maybe back in amateurs, but but when you're in a normal event, you hear a crowd, you hear everything. But then when you're in a in a, in a, in a a venue where there's no atmosphere as such, you can almost hear everything. You can hear the breathing. You can hear. Can even hear the, Can affect? even hear the commentators. Yes, what they're yeah, saying that, about you. Know, how eerie is that? Very that's, eerie. That's really eerie. When when, when you when you're on a on a show where it's undercard and it's quiet, there's nobody in, and we can hear the commentators speaking. It's quite unsettling. It's quite unnerving. Yeah, and, and no. You you have to hold your concentration really really high, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. I'm used to that though because I'm, I'm usually on real early, so oh, <laughs> it's usually right quiet when I'm coming out. But no, it's like in Britain, it, and like even when I boxed in Latvia, the, the atmosphere out there, like it would, you could, when you was getting ready to do your ring walk, yeah. you could hear the ground shaking with yeah. people, and I just can't can't see it yeah. being like that over no. here. I just can't can't see like people stomping their feet and ch- no, chanting yeah. boxing chants. You know what I mean? So. I don't know. It's, it's, it's going to be strange. It? it is going to be strange. And, 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 you know, this fight, way above and beyond any other fight Anthony Joshua has had, psychologically, uh, yeah. is, is more important than any fight he's had it been. So that is a factor. That is a variable that's going to be yeah. different to all yeah. his previous fights. And, and it's how does he handle that? And it, it, might, it might be a positive thing for him, you know, that, that uh, atmosphere yeah. not being so hectic yeah. might be a good thing. It might be a bad thing, and none of us really know the answer to that. We're just, we're just guessing. You know, you know. A lot of times, it's like I'll say, to, when when we're fighters, you're sparring, and in sparring, mm. you're doing everything, you're nailing everything. It's great. And then what you want to try and do is, when you're getting on fight, is try and just think of it as a sparring session. So it might actually help because it'll be the atmosphere will be kind of like like that, maybe, maybe. Hey, hey, kid. Hey, kids. Hey, everybody. Sitting here with a famous Slovenian philosopher. How are you doing, sir? I am uh, in health, thank you. Are you uh, excited about something? I am excited about this latest uh, CIA-funded venture. A CIA venture? Yes. It's called the Desire and Capital Podcast. Oh, what is it about? I refuse your fascist question. Well, there you have it. 
Listen to the Desiring Capital podcast coming soon to a bourgeois platform near you. On your marks, get set, go. Well, interestingly, at the fighter meeting yesterday, he was on good form, Anthony. And sometimes when you listen to him in press conferences, I wouldn't say he doesn't make sense, but he can sometimes revert to kind of sound bites and, 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 yeah. and a bit of amateur philosophy and psychology. Whereas sat in front of us yesterday, there was us from Sky and Zone were there too. And Rob was next to him and Eddie on the other side. And he just spoke freely and openly about the training they've been doing. And, and I'll ask you about that in a sec, Tom, because I know that you've been up there for a week sparring him. And they're talking about his weight and how they expect him to be kind of between 16 and a half and low 17s because he's done more sparring this time. And that's the weight that his sparring has taken him to rather than try and target a weight. He's just yeah. ended up at the right weight. And he looked happy. He looked, he looked comfortable. He was talking about taking the centre of the ring because he knows he can't fight Ruiz off the back foot, that he's got to meet him, that he's got to be positive. And he seemed in a really, he seemed in a really good place. I mean, it was quite... Uh, they can be really useful, those meetings sometimes. Sometimes you learn absolutely nothing, to be honest. You've been in enough of them. But other times you, you, you get a sense of where they are in their headspace, and we definitely got that yesterday. It can be really insightful... Um when Charlie Edwards won the, the world title I remember when he left the fighters meetings I remember when I said it I said I think he's going to win tonight listening to him speak there where is that how he's described the journey he's been yeah. on the last two years I, you know result aside I think he's really really going to perform yeah. you know and, and he did and he won but things you mentioned there about the Joshua fight I mean I think first of all I, I'm happy that he looks lighter yeah, that he's coming a lot lighter I think that's a good thing I think that he's, he's um, done a lot more boxing training as opposed to maybe doing a bit too much strength and conditioning over yeah. the years. I think it's good that he's got back to the fundamentals of boxing. I, I'm, I'm happy that he's come in lighter. And also, um, th- you said about taking the centre of the ring. I think that's key. I think he's got to start fast here. You know, those little demons, the longer you let them go on in a fight, the more they can grow. I think the first bell goes, get out there, take that centre of the ring and be the boss. I think yeah. that's essential that he does that. So, Tom, you were up in, in Sheffield for, for a week, you told me, yesterday, working with him, and you've, you've worked with a lot of top heavyweights. What did you see in him when you were there? Punches coming towards me fast. <laughs> no, um, Joe, what, he, he, was, he was literally very relaxed in training, very, like, and just working on more of a technical so- side of things. Do you know what I mean? I think quite a bit of the school in that, that he's missed because he's done, when you think of it he's done a lot as a professional in a very short amount yeah. of time so and it's just it's going to be silly things that you learn as a young kid that could win him this fight like like Matt said taking the centre but he can take so much of the wind out of Ruiz with silly things Just make, he ain't got to be throwing punches to take the centre no. just that bit of moving twitches yeah. just yeah. to make Ruiz second guess about taking that extra step towards him and I see he was working on a, a lot of things, and and he was he was getting good at them very quickly. Yeah, you know it's it's scary when you see someone go from one thing to to another, yeah. and it's just like a, a fish to water. Really, I, I I do genuinely look to see him stop stop Ruiz mid to late rounds. I, I reckon it'll take a while for him to to take the the gas out of him, but. His engine was very good 
Josh. Josh. His engine was very good while I was up there. Look, I think it, 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 lo- losing some of that muscle, I think, has been a good thing. More muscle requires more oxygen. Yeah, fact. <laughs> you know, and speed. He, you know, we know, he hits hard. He's got good speed. He's, got, he's explosive. He, he hits hard. He doesn't need to be that big. No. I think, he's a, I think that's a really, really smart move that he's gone back to more boxing training, less strength and conditioning, lost a bit of that muscle. And, uh, and gone for speed and agility and I think from a tactic point of view if he comes out and, he, and, he, and he's got to be really bullish be aggressive get, take that centre of the ring uh, you know I'm the be hungry you're the challenge take that title back and I think that, that his mindset is key but that's that's how I when I when I saw him climb into the ring I know it's with his workout all he did is shadow box he did but it was his movement of his it's how his his muscles seems um, supple and more springy rather than being stiff and, and loaded when he's moving about everything just seems so relaxed his conditioning his muscles look like a condition to fight so like you're saying about his, his conditioning during fight night normally whereas he would it would gas I don't think he's going to gas or he's not going to gas as, as much as what he used to because he's, he's more fight conditioned and, and his, his muscles just seem so much relaxed and snappy they look in great condition to fight and that's ultimately what it's about it's not about how your body looks the size of you the bulk on you it's about are you conditioned to fight and he looks like he is and you know working with Angel Fernandez bringing him on board look, little adaptations that have done is it's like Tom said he's been so successful in such a short period of time in his career people forget that he's actually learning on the job and he, and every scenario that comes on he's having to adapt to it in fight and, and learning as, as it's going along the loss that he had is part of his education the things you know the mistakes that he made he, he, he hurt Andy Ruiz and then jumped straight in and walked into the traps think, not thinking about what coming back he'll have learned from that he understands now he's a smart kid and he's not he's, he's not a fighter that doesn't think about things don't analyze things so as well as his team he himself will know the mistakes that he made and i look to him to, to, to correct that to be smarter as a fighter and and as you say if you're seeing things like that in sparring then it's, he's bringing it on board he's not just yeah. being taught it he's not just being told it he's actually bringing it on board and taking it into the ring which is which which is all good for for saturday night yeah. and I, i'm i'm with you matt i just think his old demeanor He's talking like a fighter. He looks like a fighter. You know when you talk to him, you're looking into his eyes. He actually look. At, some people won't, won't understand what I'm saying, but you can. He looks like a fighter rather rather than he's trying to be um, talking about sweet science. Talking about he, a lot of time he talks as though he's protecting a brand. For the build up for this, for me, he's been talking like a fighter. A fighter gets edgy coming up towards a fight. Might say a few things that that so a few people go. Oh, shouldn't really be saying that. I like that. You know, and I and I think it's more real. And I think yeah. when you're trying to suppress what what is you naturally, that can affect you in a fight. Yeah. You know, when you see people trying to put on a bit bit of an act, yeah. if they're a slick boxer that are trying to talk like the fighter, try, trying to talk aggressively, it takes or, or the away other way around. Uh, the other way around, yeah, it mm. takes it away from you. And and I think he's been more close to himself for this. I think he's like you say. I think he's in a really good place mentally. And, and I think with the things that they've been doing in training and how his body looks and how it looks like he's prepared to fight, I think he's going he's gonna to be throwing in the angles. I'm not talking about running. He can't afford to run. But not just backing up in a straight line. Taking, I think he's learned how to step to the side. I think he's learned how to, how to nullify. He has to be able to manage the moments when Ruiz does get on top of him. He has to almost play. You know in Lennox Lewis, when, when somebody used to get on the inside of Lennox, he learned how to just nullify just maybe grab hold, use the left hand as a guide to, to put him in so the head's under the arm and just 
sticking a little cheeky uppercut or a little cheeky little hook to the body, one, one or two, not try and fight. On exchange. Yeah, not try. He can't fight on the inside mm. and, and exchange with him because he'll get beat to a punch. But you can sneak a little sneaky shot that take. As the rounds go on, they take and drain away what yeah. Ruiz wants to do. But I'm with you. He's, he's got to have an authoritative jab. He can't go out there and just flick, 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 flick. He's got to have an authoritative jab. But I think feints are key because looking at a workout, Andy Ruiz, is de- you can see he's worked on his defence for when he's throwing his own punches. Every time he threw a shot, his hand was in position to block what's coming back yeah. his way. So Joshua can't just, just throw because Ruiz will block. He's got to feint. He's got, and he's also got to be patient and disciplined that if for the first round first two rounds he's hitting a lot of gloves what that style I mean you you was good at you was, you was good at making making fighters work when they don't want to work when you're walking them down and you're blocking and you, it can't fall into that trap where he starts throwing punches but almost like panicking thinking these are hitting gloves so they start loading up a little bit more or they start trying to throw more volume that's where he's got to be use his feet and use his feints just to take it away from Ruiz I think, I think he's learned that and I think he's going to do that so what about Ruiz then? Because when I spoke to Manny Robles in London at the press conference, which would have been 12, 14 weeks ago, he said to me, I asked him about weight. I said, what kind of weight would you want to bring him in at? And he said 250 to 255, which is 17 stone 12 to 18 stone 3. So that's where he wanted him to be. And Andy said to us yesterday, he's going to be at least as heavy as he was last time, which is 19 stone 2, if not a bit a bit heavier I mean Tom does it does it matter because he showed the first time around what he's capable of doing and he's comfortable in his body and he's and he's fit to fight but for me if your trainer has said that he wants you to be 18 and then you come in a stone or so heavier Manny said to us yesterday because I asked him the question he said ah well you know if I said that I said that but you know Andy fights at what Andy's comfortable fighting at but what are your thoughts Um, do you know what I I believe muscles and physiques don't win fights, but I also know that you you need you need a good engine, and the be- he got the benefit of the doubt. He got he jumped in with a man that wasn't ready for him, what hadn't prepared for him. So really, I do think his weight's out. I, I reckon he might have come in heavy because he they heard that Joshua might be coming in light, and he might want to might just want to put some extra pressure on him, bully him about. But I just, I, I always think he's just going to be that sort of physique. Listen, there's no, there's no getting away from the fact the man can fight. Whether whether he comes in thirty stone, same as like the likes of Tyson Fury, whether they're fat or thin, they're always going to be able to fight. But I just reckon, I don't know. They they, they say he fights better when he's at his at his lumpiest, but I don't, I don't really know I mean, myself about that. Aesthetically, it, it doesn't matter. Do you know what I mean? Aesthetics, how you look, means nothing to... But, but everyone, is, I still feel everyone's got an optimum fighting weight. Yes. You know, so if you... And if you're too heavy in that, you're going to feel slow and sluggish. You're not going to be as sharp and maybe, you know, if you're too light, you'll, you, won't, you won't be as strong and as, and as, as sturdy. But, you know, it, I don't, and I don't know what his optimum fighting weight is, but he... I mean, I'd imagine he'll know what it is, and and his, and his trainer will. Do you know? Again, going back to the workout, he he still looks big, but do you know what? It kind of looked tighter. Do you know, do you know what I mean? It, it, it didn't look. Oh, it sounds bad. 
didn't look as, as like like jelly fat as such. Yeah. It, it, it still looks big and he's still got you can see on, on it and his, the fat on his back and things like that. But it kind of looks tired. A bit it harder. Looked, it looked, yeah, it looked more conditioned. It does look more conditioned. And with the movements that it was doing and everything, his more sp- upper upper body was more springier. So he's mm. better. He's in better condition, regardless of what his weight is. He's in better condition. I'm with you. I, d- I don't think weight-wise, with somebody like that, I don't think it's going to make such a big difference. Um, when you're talking about what Manny Robles has said, he, as long as he's been doing the boxing work and and his punching effectiveness and, and, he's, and he's sharp and he's and he's fit punching-wise, you know, you I mean, know, he's guys fluctuated that quite a bit yeah, in his you know career, that, hasn't so he? So you know, with that guy, that's what I'm just about to touch on. So remember. We got weighed in at, the, at your call for, for Chisora. I think it was against Spilker, I think it was. I was going to bring this exact right. thing up because so you told me a couple of days before what you wanted him yes. to come in at. Then you left him yep. alone for two days yep. and he was six pounds so, heavier so, than you so, wanted him. So this is what and I'm saying about, about, heavy, about heavyweights, right? So Derek left me on the Tuesday, the last session, at Bang on 18 Stone. I turned up at weigh-in on Friday. He gets on the scales. He was about 18 stone 7 or something like that, 18.6. And I looked and I was like... What? That was that was so that was Tuesday. So I left him Tuesday. So that was Wednesday, Thursday, Friday's away, and he's put on half a stone. But for heavyweights, but I mean, that, that, he, he, he might have had some, he might have had a carbohydrate yeah. meal and had a couple of pints yeah. of water that that's has it. that he hasn't and that's peed what it out is. exactly. So he's actually weighing so, so when you're talking about uh, for the size of them, men, it's different. If if someone like me puts on half a stone, you see it on me straight away. That's it. But somebody that's like your size or, or, or Derek or, or Ruiz's size. <clears throat> it doesn't really make any mu- that much difference. It can be, like you said, what they've just had. They might have been hungry and just, oh, I'm going to eat that. Or they might have had a few drinks and that's it. I don't I don't think, when you're talking after, I don't think it's that much of a difference, to be honest. I mean, do you have a target weight in mind, Tom, or do you just train and you, and you end up what you end up at? Do you know what? I've always had a target. I know where I'm at my best. Um, me in, in the 18 stones, like in the late 18 stones, I've not very good because I, I rely on my mobility I'd, I might not show it a lot of times I might go headbutting people's hands but um, <laughs> no but that's just where I'm being lazy I'd rather have a fight than, than stick to what I'm actually more more effective at um, I've always been at, at my best mid 17s mid 17 17 9 17 5 is, is my my sort of weight because if you don't want to be too light, because you get bullied by these big men, and if I was, if I was Anthony myself, I wouldn't want to be too light. I want to be light enough to be agile. But once, once that little man got past my wrist, I'd want to have a bit of weight on me to lean on him and, and say, right, listen, Tubby, carry this belt, carry me back. Do you, do you know what I mean? Because that, that sort of things. At times in this fight, I do genuinely believe he's going to have to do ugly, boring stuff yeah. in the earlier part of the fight because you can't, as big men, you can't fight far, a far fight for twelve solid rounds. That ain't that ain't how, how we got got to go about business. You've got you got to be smart when you are firing, when you are unloading, and you got to know when to tie and when to when to drag it out of your of your other man. So, yeah, I, I reckon. I reckon round 17 stones are a good weight for any heavyweight, I think. Mm. 
Hey everybody, this is Moto G Pete from the Nokomoto Motorcycle Podcast. Join us every week while we rate, review, ride, philosophize, and generally obsess over every single motorcycle make, model, and style that could possibly exist, plus news and racing. That's the Nokomoto Motorcycle Podcast from Moto One Podcast Network Studios. So we talked about the physical. The mental is going to play a huge part in this fight. When we were talking to Ruiz That's and Robles... That's the biggest part. I think it's massive, yeah. When we were talking to Ruiz and Robles yesterday, their emphasis was the first round of this fight has to be the eighth round. We pick up after the previous seven we've had yep. and carry on from there. And they were very relaxed, as you would expect them to be, because I heard Teddy Atlas describe it in an interesting way. He said that the problem with Joshua not having had a fight in between the first fight and the rematch and we all know it was never going to happen for, for all sorts of reasons it just wasn't realistic is that the only data he has on Ruiz is yeah. what happened to him and the only data Ruiz has on Joshua is what he did to him yeah. and he's obviously very confident that he can do it again he's, he's spent some of the money he's got some nice bling that he's quite proud of he's bought a Rolls Royce I was chatting to his dad yesterday by the way his dad said to me that he picked a round 7 stoppage for Andy in the first fight bet on it all the friends and family bet on it and they all made a pile of money on it so you know that's absolutely extraordinary if he managed to do that but they they've been enjoying the rewards that that first victory has brought them and there's always a little bit of a danger that the hunger is slightly going to go but I don't see I don't think so not no not not with their makeup not with their personalities you've got to understand with what we said going into the fight was he had an opportunity to become the first Mexican heavyweight champion in the world. Now, the pride and and the feeling that Mexican fighters have for their country and for what they're representing is immeasurable. It's massive. Now, same thing can go. He's got a blueprint, and Manny Robles is a, a, a smart guy, a very good coach, and a good man. And they've seen, and they'll they'll have no doubt said and explained. Do you remember Buster Douglas? Buster Douglas pulled off a massive upset, become become heavyweight champion in the world, and then just let it all go to his head. Turned up for the rematch, massively out of shape. Uh, sorry, turned up for the for his first defense, massively out of shape, and got wiped out. And that was it. The hunger went completely. I'm not going to see that with Andy Ruiz. I'm not having that. You can see that. You can see that in his old demeanor. Number one, we're guessing about his size. He, don't, he doesn't look. He doesn't particularly look any bigger. It, you know, he's not gone too far out of shape. You can see he's put the work in. He's turned up at work. It looks in great shape. But it's that mentality and, and, and the people that are around him. The, the, they're not hangers on. The, 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 the real people, the real fighting people. You know, Mexican fighting people. He knows that if he was, if he, if he was to go and get wiped out in a rematch he's got to live with that for the rest of his life he's you know and, and he's a mexican fighter that's they're proud he won't let, let that happen I, I don't believe that for one minute also i actually think he's a little bit when when we was talking when when adam smith was interviewing uh, ruiz and I stood up close to him and next to him i'm just looking at how he's, how he's reacting to the questions i actually think that he's a little bit um a little bit irked and a little bit peed off that there's so many people that actually still think that he's going to get beat in this rematch because he, you must think you're this underdog coming through you've absolutely smashed the champion to bits let's not make no bones about it smashed him to bits right then you're going into an immediate rematch but yet there's a lot of people out there that are still saying you're going to get knocked out in, in, in the rematch he's that kind of man that's going to be looking at that and thinking do you know what 
There's, there's definitely an element of that because one thing he said to us yesterday too and, and he wanted to make a point about this was that they were happy to be here but yeah. this wasn't really what they wanted yeah. but there was the rematch clause uh, but they're aware that this is still a matchroom show and he is still to all intents and purposes the away fighter yeah. and he just wanted to kind of make that make that point so moving it on with regard to Joshua you two chaps what happens to you mentally when you get stopped for the first time each one of you what what were your experiences of that I know it wasn't on the same kind of stage with the same magnifying glass but what happens so I thought I've, I've been thinking about this because you know you're trying to put yourself where would Joshua's head be at and, and different things um, and, I, and I thought well, what, what, what can I compare it to and like you say different different levels and all the stuff but I remember when I fought Jamie Moore it was a grueling fight and you know I got knocked out I got t- taken in a stretcher in an ambulance to hospital spent the night in hospital so it was a pretty traumatic grueling fight and yeah. I remember reading reports afterwards um, you know because it's your career you're reading everything about yeah. what's been said and it's saying you know um, great fight this that and the other but um, Macklin will probably never box again and if he does he'll never be the same that was kind of the overriding opinion and I was like nah nah I'll, I'll, I'll be fine I'll learn from it I know what I've done wrong this this and this um, anyway the, the comeback thing played out a bit longer than I would have liked and it was probably I was I think it was nearly a year from the fight when I boxed again or 10 months so you know it'd been a while now I was coming back fighting uh, very much it was an eight rounder I was uh, maybe I wasn't even the co-feature it was probably the, the, the fight before that um, in, against an absolute opponent that I was completely meant to be a one round job against you know like an East European that probably I think he was sort of like seven and five and probably six of those wins were in gyms you know what I mean yeah, so this yeah. was like this was a one round job written all over it yeah. you know what I mean and um, which was I was allowed because yeah, of the yeah. fight that had been and it was the, you know a rebuild I was still only 24 but I remember on that day you know you were sort of chilling in the hotel room on your own I remember feeling quite nervous. You know, I wasn't overly focused on this fight, but I remember having waves where I was thinking my mind would go there. And I remember feeling quite nervous. And, uh, and I remember warming up for the fight, feeling quite nervous. Now, this is a guy that I'm supposed to blow away in a round. And I did blow him away in a round, by the way. But, and it would have been disappointing if I didn't. But <laughs> nonetheless, I, I was still remember feeling quite nervous. Now, I boxed four weeks after, four or five weeks after that against a guy called Darren Rhodes, who again, yeah. was someone I was meant to beat, but was certainly a significant step up from this Ukrainian opponent. Um, and I was nowhere near as nervous, like nowhere near as nervous because I'd had that one fight, I'd had that win, I'd exercised a few demons yeah. or a few doubts and, and all the criticism and negative comments that I'd read about myself in the build-up prior where, you know, as much as, you, as, much as I'm in the, the ring sparring and I'm thinking... I, I don't feel any effects from that loss. I don't, I don't, I'm not going to try to spot hard there. You, you're human. You're That's reading it. these things that all these experts that have been around so long are writing about you and saying this is how it's going to be. You're, it's impossible for some of that doubt not to creep, creep in. in now, yeah. that was a nothing fight. That, it, was an, when it was an eight rounder. It was an opponent. It was an opponent that was meant to be a one round job. That's not. I wasn't going back in against a guy that knocked me out. You know, it's an immediate rematch. I'm going back. Do you know yeah. what I'm saying? I 100% so agree with you. Yeah. You know, as much as jo- hearing Tom say he sparred him, and, and, and I think Joshua, I've been impressed with what I've seen and what I've heard. I like that he's coming lighter. I like that he's done a lot more sparring, less strength and conditioning. Um, I, I like that it seems in that aggressive, edgy mode where 
he's going to go out and take the centre of the ring and be the boss. That's that's all brilliant. That's great. When he's walking to the ring, when he's warming up, yeah. when the bell goes, when yeah. everyone leaves the ring yeah. and it's just him, what's going on in that head? What, what when yeah. Ruiz gets close to him and starts landing yeah. shots, does all that come flooding back? That's exactly why I don't like, as a coach and as a manager, I don't like immediate rematches for if you've just, if you've just been stopped, if you've had a bad loss. So, I'll say Jordan Gill, right? Jordan wants to get in with he wants to get into with Tinoco straight away because he's a fighter. You know, all fighters want to get. Oh, I want to get back in there. Wanna, but mentally, when, like Matt's saying, you can prepare in the gym and everything, but when it comes to fight night, your last, your last memory of fighting is that one night. Yeah. And you can't, you can't have that going into such a high-profile fight. And that's, that's what I'm saying with Matt, I agree with, is when this fight was made straight away, I was like, that's, that's dangerous because you've, you've just, you don't know how he's going to react if, if Ruiz gets on top of him and when Ruiz starts banging away banging away to his body and if it becomes hard straight away yeah. how is he going to react mentally is he going to think oh god here we go again and I think that's why when you're saying Manny Robles wants, wants him to start off as though it's round 8 he knows Robles knows that he needs Andy Ruiz to put doubt and fear into Joshua straight away so it reminds him of what happened the first yeah. time around if, if he gets off to a slow start and he, let, he allows Joshua to get into his rhythm Settle. then the, the, the fight the champion mentality comes back and, and you become confident and then all of a sudden then it's very hard for Ruiz to, 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 to get back into it he needs him to start off straight away like, like it was round 7 going in as round 8 and I, I understand completely from a tr- coach's point of view why he wants that well, Dean White has just, uh, has just come to join us. Passenger 57 has Where's Dillian, the has Dillian <laughs> called you yesterday. But How just before... Oh, very well, very well, thanks. Tom, let's just get your thoughts on that, though, quickly. Uh, well, not quickly, just where, where do you see it? You're a heavyweight. You, you, you've been in with these, with these big, big punches. Do you know what? When I lost to... When I got stopped to Philip Hergovich, I was coming off the back of two stoppage defeats myself, and I felt unstoppable go, going into it I felt I genuinely felt like I could walk through hellfire like I thought there's nothing and little did I find out a little bit later it hit me and I felt like I got hit by that car out there and it it broke my heart it literally I'm I'm not ashamed to say it I cried for a solid week because you know it just makes you realise that you're not unstoppable you're not you're, that nobody's nobody's unbreakable Um but coming back, it, it right. The best way I can explain it is I boxed in a prize fighter, I, well, Matchroom that used to do, and I run completely out of gas. It weren't that Tom Dallas was better than me or far far from it, but I completely run out of gas. And then some time later, I rematched Tom, and I remember being in the changing rooms, and like I knew in my head of heads, like El, me and Ben Davison had prepared. But I knew there was no way I was ever going to gas. If I boxed for 10, 10, 15 rounds, I was never going to gas. Because from every bit of that, the minute I signed that fight, that was the most important thing. There, were, there weren't a day above four years I didn't think about that man. And But when I was, when I was warming up, I started thinking about the night where, when I gassed out. Am I going to do it? Is it going to happen again? What if he catches me? What, what, do you know what I mean? Every little doubt that's possible that you've read, like, like Matt said, what, what you've read, what you've seen, are silly little things that shouldn't ever worry, they do creep into your mind. 
but and I never ever forget it. I walked out because it was a three round contest where with um, the prize fighter. I looked at Ben before I walked, walked out. Ben was saying, "Settle down here, here, gas out." And I looked at him. I said, "If this goes above three rounds, I've lost." I, in my head, if it went above three rounds, and it just depends on how you are as a person, me- mentally. Like the way I looked at it is, nothing was nothing or nobody was going to stand in my way of taking his head off, and that that was all I had on my mind. Is that I weren't happy to just go there and nick it and just just put that to bed or I didn't want to win it ugly I wanted to put him away the same way I got put away and that and that was that was literally how it went down so it depends if Josh was going out there with that sort of mindset it can bear in mind I had a Tom Dallas in front of me Ruiz ain't cut from that cloth and I don't think he'd go down like that do you know what I mean so I just hope Hope he sticks to his boxing and uses his, uses his aggression smartly. Don't go out there with the intent to hurt someone because he got hurt. Go out there to hurt him when the time's right to hurt him, and con- control control the fight with his jab, with his good boxing fundamentals and his physical attributes over Ruiz. Listen, you got he's got lovely long levers. Do you know what I mean? He can he can dictate him from from just by simply putting the weight a bit over the, over his back leg so Ruiz got to take that extra extra step do you know what I mean it just buys buys him that extra split second of time so I genuinely look to see see him providing he can hold his head together I I can't see why he shouldn't go there and and flip flip it back round because I do genuinely believe that Joshua is is a better fighter than Ruiz. I, I, he ain't had the, the time and the pedigree that he's got, but I genuinely believe he's a, he's a better athlete. Do you know what I mean? I think he, he's the more rounded article, if you ask me. So, before we get your thoughts on the on the main event thing, let's have the aeroplane story again, because <laughs> a lot of people have heard this, but I don't mind hearing it again. And I'm sure it gets better with the retelling. You can refine your version of events more. <laughs> much to refine you know it was a, a surreal moment on the plane you know like when uh, someone sitting next to you comes back and it goes hey I think they need your help back there and I was like my help and he goes no I think I know they need your help in fact you know so um, I kind of shot down there and yeah I was surprised that there was a guy did, did your adrenaline go a little bit thinking what the yeah, I was baffled. I saw like a little bit of something, but you know, like I saw some movement, and then I kind of shut down. And when I got there, uh, I saw this guy screaming like in broken English. I need to get off the plane. I need to get off now. Um, he was pulling the door. He was trying to shove the, the attendants away and trying to fight them off. And you're in the air at this stage. This is ridiculous. This is like a movie. I'm like, <laughs> not on my watch, buddy. You ain't trying this, kid. Because <laughs> you know what? Like literally, we're doomed, kind of thing. Um, I know these people talk about oh, the door couldn't open. I don't know that. I'm not sure of that. I'm not interested in no one You're not taking the that door. risk. And then what happens? You know, in life, they always say, "Well, oh, this was the rare occasion there was a malfunction. We we've never had this before. And we, uh, you know, we'll investigate." It's too late. I'm not interested. No one touches the door when I'm on the blade. That's it. You know what I mean? So I don't want to hear that. As people, you know, as you go in there, someone's used their hand and closed it and whatever. So, uh, you know, common sense or would you would say, well, there's potentially a way to open it somewhat. 
maybe they've designed it a, a certain way. It's not, but it's not something no one wants to take any risk at 35,000 feet because it's most certain doom. And uh, yeah, I just weren't playing. I weren't playing that game, so I uh, done a little. Done a little thing, you know. <laughs> no, well, that, that's absolutely right. You're not. You're not an aviation expert. You're not going to look at the door and just think, "Well, I, I do believe that actually you can't open the door from inside. So yeah. this, this will probably be fine. Yeah, it will blow over. Let me leave him to let him have his fun. You know that? Like, really? <laughs> you know, it's ridiculous. <laughs> so that was your experience of getting here. Tom got stuck in Istanbul. Um, yeah, Macklin got stuck flight. in London because he missed his flight. But it's, we're only going to remind him of no, it every five minutes. Gone, he, he's, he's, he's been on the end of some. <laughs> Matt, Matt's been on the end of what I can only describe as some hilarious bants from the Sky team and that's going to persist for the next yeah, few days yeah. but what, what's, what's the experience of being here been like for you, you know, so it's far? It's been alright, we've been uh, welcomed quite well you know um, what was it, the media there was really nice yeah. fans it was good, um, it was nice obviously everyone got a great reception, Dill got a great reception Joshua got a really good reception and Ruiz, uh, it, was, it was nice the whole thing, even yesterday at the um, press conference you know, it was, it was really good being out here, um, I don't know. I think the only thing I'm um, I'm unsettled with is sleeping a little bit for some reason. I don't know about anyone else. It just seems to be a bit of a little ball. I mean, I don't know what's going on. I go here, I go there, I come back. I'm tired. I'm thinking, well, I haven't done much. I'm just going back and forward to places. Mm. But the rooms are quite dark in there, you know. So it seems maybe that's a plot of theirs to keep you in. <laughs> I don't know what's <laughs> going on, but yeah, the, the places are really nice. I'm going to take a walk out here today. Nice weather, um, but yeah, it's nice. Yo, I'm DK, co-host of the One Star Recruits podcast. My best friend Rip and I host five-star athletes, celebs, business leaders, comedians, and coaches from around the world. Each week, I can guarantee you the show will always have great laughs, catch up on lives in relatable ways, and have a ton of fun. We're recruiting you. We are the One Stars, which means we can ask the questions that no other podcast asks to guests like Joey Chestnut, Evander Holyfield, Bobby Hurley, Jenny Finch, Ryan Lochte, Montel Jordan, New guests every week, compelling interviews that you want to hear. Check us out wherever you get podcasts, One Star Recruits. And so how do you see the how do you see the main event? It's it's been a huge talking point for what the last the last six months. I, I can't quite believe how quick the last six months have gone. Yeah. It doesn't seem that long ago that we were in, in New York at Madison. Square Garden. I mean, there's been so much said. There's been so much written, and, and we're yeah. nearly there now. From, from looking at these two during the course of the week, what have you seen? Um, do you know what? I've seen a slimmer Joshua. Obviously, we've seen it over the time, but seeing him in person, um, you know, he, he seems to me he seems relaxed. He seems um, confident. He, he stated um, that you know after the defeat, he kind of took it on the chin and said to himself I'm, I'm going to get back in the gym Monday morning and crack on and he knows what he needs to do to make the adjustments I understand in that fight for me what I look at is uh, I think I spoke about it before that he was fighting Gerald Miller who was 315 pounds so he was a lot bigger a lot more muscular so people question why he wants to lose weight he's done it many times he's gone up inside he's coming at his biggest uh, against Dillian um, and different people you know and then he, he goes down sizes depending on who he's fighting, you know, maybe the more physical man, he puts on a bit more size because he's got to contain with a lot more physical and stronger person in the ring. So now I notice he's obviously lost all that weight because he wants to match speed with speed. He's a, he's a great athlete, he, he looks the part. I believe, um, you know, he's made the necessary adjustments. He's brought on 
Angel and a, another guy. I don't really know who that guy is. I've seen his face before. Joby Clayton. Okay, um, he's brought him on. I'm not sure what his part is, but I know I, you know, I know Angel for a while. I think that's quite a, you know, a, a good addition, obviously, because he does a lot of drills. Like um, I think they work on. Where's the Cuban style where they do a lot of footwork, a lot of foot drills, a lot of uh, defensive drills? So I, I, I get it. And then uh, there was a guy I saw that was doing um, like clinching and wrestling and stuff. I saw on a, a short clip of his. So that those additions are what he needs. I think he needs to be able to hold, which that was a big thing he, he didn't get to do in that fight where he was tagged. He wasn't holding properly, he was all over the place, and um, that didn't help him. And I think he's made certain adjustments. I don't know. It's only a short space of time. Is it enough for him to. Uh, put it all into action and it Joe on the night but I think he weren't far off from the first fight anyway they had a little game plan he was he was doing it okay he was executing it well he, he dropped Ruiz he rushed in and then got caught and then you've got the, the rest of the history for the, the Mexicans and Ruiz and so on but um, Ruiz looked electrifying you know on them pads very very fast nimble you know you, you know what to expect he's going to come and bring the pressure he's going to go to the body and come back with that left to the head he knows what the money shot is I, I don't see him needing to change anything nothing was wrong he won <laughs> what does he need to do he doesn't need to do anything he's confident in his ability and so he should be you know I did say to people they shouldn't have stepped on him in the first fight I did some interviews before and I said the guy has got pedigree the guy is is yeah. the truth you know so you know I think in terms of them making that fight it wasn't the right matchup for them on three weeks' notice. Obviously, they're looking at like who's on the landscape because Jarrell Miller's situation. But you probably should have got someone maybe to tailor what you've trained for. Yeah. A big, a strong, aggressive guy. Like, he is aggressive, but he's not the mold. I mean, strongish. The, the, the what, why you put on, why you packed on all that beef. You know what, what for? So, what's your gut feeling? How do you see the fight playing out? Do you know what? Um, it is a hard one. I'm not going to lie. Um, obviously, I know. Andy Ruiz is going to come and bring it. You know what I mean? And um, it is a, not fearful, but it's one of them ones where I really want Joshua to win. Yeah. So there's another side of me. I'm saying, um, my heart is saying AJ because, you know, he's a nice guy. I know him. Um, and he's a UK guy. I want him to get them belts back and bring them back to the UK. But then my head is got conflicts. I can have an argument for both guys. It's one of those fights though, win. isn't it? Yeah, it's so evenly matched. So for me, it's just like, I don't know, man. I'm just kind of confused that like, with what it is. But obviously, I'm going to stick with Joshua and say, you know, we've got to put that energy out there. That's what, you know what I mean? If you put it out into the world, that positivity, yeah. and like he said, keep him in your prayers and vote, um, edge it for him, then, yeah. you know, the energy and that confidence, he will hopefully carry that into the room with him. Just like Dill gave him a hug and gave him a nice word. He yeah. needs the support that of the comrades nice around that. him to give him that impetus to say, you know, you know, I feel the energy from my people, my peers around me from UK and around the world were whoever supported me and that can go in there and I can carry it off because there could be some confidence issues to a degree because you, you were invincible, the, the poster kid and then obviously everyone started talking about the guy, the sneaker guy came in and done X, Y, Z. So, you know, there was that but he, he, he said it's not um, an issue for him. He, he feels good. He's got past that already and he knows what he's got to do. He's a fighting man and so on. And uh I'm going to take faith in that and believe he's going to do it and I'm going to be rooting for him. You know what I mean? Okay, so we'll just pull in uh, Gerald Washington for a, for a quick chat. He's just come through the door with, with Team Ruiz, members of the family drifting in. There's quite a lot of them over here at the moment. Uh, and Gerald's been over as a sparring partner, as one of his main sparring partners throughout the course of the last few weeks. I'll just uh, 
I'll tell you what, I will give up my seat for, for Gerald. Uh, and Macklin, you will need to you will need to step into the you'll need to step onto the bridge and steer the ship here for uh, <laughs> for a few minutes if that's okay. Gerald, if you would just like to come in and take a seat, and we'll try not to get too tangled up. This has got disaster written all over it already. But look at that. That's this is a musical chairs episode that's, of uh, that's, that's Macklin's ac- take. That's, that's acrobatics <laughs> from a from a big man. So yeah, Joe, we're just we're doing a preview here, really, of the the fight on Saturday and how we see it going and what we think the key okay. issues are. And obviously, something we've talked about is the psychological aspect yeah. going in in immediate rematch six months later after being, you know, going through a pretty traumatic yeah. knockout defeat yeah. to Andy Ruiz. So we all feel that Joshua is going to be definitely better prepared, more focused. He's li- he's coming lighter. He's sparred with more sparring, and we're all really happy about that. Mm-hmm. That's great. But when you walk into the ring, the last time you were in that ring was getting beaten, knocked, knocked down and stopped by the guy that you're facing. What, yeah. what are your thoughts on the fight and how has he looked in training and, and, and how do you see the fight playing out? I think Andy's well prepared. He's feeling great. But as far as the, the two guys, the way that they've been kind of uh, working together during this press conference and all that stuff like that, they're, they're kind of... You know, bumping, bumping arms, and like the, it kind of, I think it kind of takes a little bit of that edge off. So maybe Joshua won't be feeling that as much. So, so psychologically, I think it'll help him. You know, it won't, it won't be like, you know, he's in there going against somebody that. I mean, Andy's just—he'll fool you with that. He's such a nice guy. You know, they—they they both are. Uh, Andy is, and um, but you can't, you can't, you can't mistake that for for, for any kind of weakness. You know what I mean? He, he's coming to get you for sure. And I, and I think Joshua did mistake that last time. There was no threat there. You know, he even asked for a picture with the belts. And yeah, yeah, yeah. he's got this happy, smiley demeanor. Yeah, so yeah. respectful. And everyone was talking about Fury and Wilder and mm-hmm. what happens next. So Joshua definitely looked past him. That's not going to happen this time. He's no. not going to look past Andrew Ruiz this time. But no. now there are psychological, no. potential psychological issues yeah. when, you know, we know Joshua's prepared well, yeah. sparred well, he's coming light. I think the Joshua coming in the ring on Saturday night is going to be a lot better than the Joshua that yeah. was walking to, into the ring of Madison Square Garden. But uh, but also now you've got the, the history of yeah. what happened at Madison Square Garden. Do you think, how, how do you, I know this is, none of us can say, but in your opinion, how do you feel Joshua's going to react when, you know, Ruiz puts the pressure on Exactly, him exactly. Starting off, it might be okay, but, you know, come around two, three, four, you know, when he starts to feel that, that little bit of that pressure starts sinking in, then it, then, then, it, then it might take him back a little bit, you know, and it might, we'll see if he'll, if it'll cause him to fluster or if it, if it, if he'll, he'll sit down and fight or, or, or what, what'll happen. His, his, his natural instincts will begin to come out at that point. But, um, we all know that, 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 uh, that Joshua was here to fight. You know, I saw that when he fought Klitschko, when, when Klitschko tried to run him around, and he said, I, I saw the point of the – because I went to camp with Klitschko for that. But I saw the point where he said, no, I'm not I'm not going to do this. You know, and he, and he fought and he fought him and, and just took that away from Klitschko, that control factor. And um, so it's going to make for a great fight. You know what I mean? It's gonna, I'm looking forward to it. I, I've seen him. Uh, I've seen Andy in, in training camp, and he's prepared well, and, and he's, he's – He's worked on specific things for this fight, and it's gonna be a it's gonna be a great matchup. So putting you on the spot here now, give us your prediction. Oh, I'm going for a Ruiz all the way. Oh no, no, you know, 
but uh, but but, 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 but yeah, nah, but the we, last guy there, thing, you don't there, like to get it out of it. There's no, there's no, there's no secret to what it is. Know. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like like they 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 talked about it yesterday. He, uh, you know, they joked about it. He, uh, Joshua said, "What's the what's the strategy in beating you?" You know, and he said, "You know, box, box me around a little bit or whatever." But um, you know. It, you got the classic. You got you know it's Ali versus Fraser. You know what I mean you got the boxer versus the the, the pressure fighter. He's gonna he's gonna bring the, he's gonna bring it to him. And you got um, Joshua. Can he outwit him and, and and move around and do what he needs to do and and make it through the rounds? You know. But it, eventually they're gonna clash. And when that happens, you, do you know, think June first gonna come rushing back in Joshua's head when that happens? The demons. Uh, no, nah, he's, he's gonna be definitely focused on 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 fight night. You know what I mean? But that that threat is gonna be there. It's always there. I, I mean, it's not you, you. This heavyweight boxing, we know that it's all it's a, it's one punch away. It's always one punch away. But uh, you know, you try to protect from it, but you're not at the same time you respect it, but you're not you're not scared of it. And then uh, it's, it's a fight. Is this? Is this the first camp that you've worked with Andy Ruiz before? Yeah, yeah, it's oh, my right. first time. So you've got nothing to first compare time. to. Because I, w- I was a bit interested to see if you'd worked with him before, yeah. if you've seen a difference. You know you know when a, when they always say a, when when somebody wins a title, they improve, they, it brings them on 10%. Oh, but he, but just I, from, I from, work, if if from working with him, excuse me, from working with him from, from the, the first day to the yeah. last day, like, you know, the way they tightened up the little the, yeah. the little things and just made the, the little adjustments was like, was great you know him yeah. and his training team and the way they put things together is is really you know they really keyed I in could def- on everything definitely see in the, in the workout you could see that his, his hands were much tighter when he's when he's exchanging he's throwing himself yeah, yeah. so he's conscious about about getting caught with with shots in between himself when he's firing his defense looked his defense looked so great oh yeah he's used his left hand his, his right hand was tucked in he's, he's, he's powering the uppercuts so his defense definitely looked looked tight when everything he's everything he, he he's tight and he has it all he has the He's tight, he's fast, and he, and he comes, he comes, he comes throwing. Okay, Gerald, thanks very much for your time. This You're is very like, welcome. This is like boxing top trumps today. We're going to have to swap out okay. uh, a top level fighter a, for a, a for a for a Hall of Fame promoter because uh, Barry Hearn has just uh, has just wandered down into reception, which was very good luck for us. He's got about five minutes before he needs <laughs> to nip As off usual. to a to a meeting. But Barry. You've been in this game for a for a long time. You've been to some interesting places. So just give us your your thoughts on on the week so far on Saudi Arabia on the whole thing. Well, it's I'm getting old, but it takes a lot to get me excited. But this has got me excited. I think I'd actually put this down in my sort of personal memory bankers alongside Ben Eubank one in 1990 in terms of excitement is a. A sort of a point in your life where something's going to happen and I think it's going to surprise a lot of people when it does happen and I, I have no idea what it's going to be to be perfectly honest with you I go from one moment where I think AJ knocks him out to the next moment where AJ doesn't cope with his speed and walks onto one yeah. so what do I know you know you've got some real experts here people have got a lot more experience than me I'm just a spectator but in terms of an event I think this is the biggest grossing heavyweight title fight of all time. Is it? By a country mile. So obviously that gets on my radar, being <laughs> the money man that I am. <laughs> and these guys take the punches. I sit in the safe seats and long may it last. Um, from a profile perspective, you've only got to look at the papers around the world to see that the world's talking about it, which can only be good for boxing, and in particular the heavyweight division, because it is vibrant at the moment. There's a lot of fighters out there that can claim 
a role in the future heavyweight division. And the money these guys are generating now is such that suddenly boxing don't look like such a bad career to take up. Absolutely. So in terms of the in terms of the pantheon of places that you've been to, is this the most unusual, you would say? Well, I've been to a lot of places. So, I mean, I've worked in the Middle East over a variety of sports for some time. I have an extensive relationship with the Saudis going forward as well on a variety of sports, you know. I think this region is changing. It's changing, you know, fundamentally in its attitude to lots of different things. And sport, although the cynics will always say human rights, etc., etc., which we can't ignore, but sport is a method of teaching people, learning things, seeing how the game comes forward. And I think you're seeing changes that will benefit the whole society of the Middle East as well as the world, really, because there's so much shit goes on in this world. Sport is the one thing that actually unifies everyone and gives them a common purpose, uh, and not enough is made of that because, you know, as I say, people enjoy watching, participating in top-quality sport, and it doesn't matter if you're fat, thin, Christian, Muslim, man, woman, it's a meritocracy, so it's just about how good you are. And that comes through the more you involve yourself in any professional sport. And boxing is an example. We've seen Katie Taylor come through and reinvigorate women's boxing, for example, in a very short space of time. I mean, people have been boxing professionally since Mendoza, you know, which is even before you were born. Um, Daniel Mendoza's house, the house that he used to live in, is on Three Paradise Row, which is just by Bethnal Green yeah. tube station, by, on, on the way to York Hall. I walked past it on the way to York Hall. It's There's one of plaque. my superstitions. There's a plaque there is a there. plaque. And do you realise that Daniel Mendoza was the first boxer that insisted on contracts for a fight with a penalty clause in these days of integrity that you weren't allowed to go down unless you were hit? Because in those days of Mendoza... If they wanted a rest, there was an unlimited. They just fell on the floor, and that was the end of the round. So, you know, we could talk for hours about the history of boxing. You know, As I say, I can't fight, but I know a little bit about it. <laughs> well, I guess the fact that he was the first man to get things down in, in writing, in solid legal format... Is well, probably, he was Jewish, you see. Why. I mean, I'm not criticising Jewish people, but they're usually quite smart guys, and he was the first person that invented the first type of contract. A contract that has... Uh, Still relevant today in terms of integrity of the sport in a, in a very wide-ranging way. We seem to have got quite a bit off the subject, don't we? <laughs> <laughs> well, it is potentially dangerous, this, because I really could talk about this uh, yeah, for, too, yeah, forever. Yeah. Late 1700s, uh, early 1800s. So what I'm saying, the point I'm making is that that's you know, for early 1800s. Boxing's been around for hundreds and hundreds of years, but there's been, a, for example, a cyclic change in women's boxing in the last five, six, seven, ten years. It's a, it's a just a... You know, it's like those two pigeons when the earth was created that flew to the top of a mountain which was solid diamond and they sharpened their beaks. And over a period of millions of years... Successive pigeons came to this mountain. I've got your attention, haven't I? Yeah, because I'm, I'm waiting for you to tell me where this mountain is. Mountain, the mountain was levelled flat. And at that moment, one second of eternity had passed. And if that's not fucking deep, I don't know what <laughs> <it is. laughs> I don't really know what to say to that, to be honest. 
Uh, one thing I am quite curious about with, with regard to your involvement still with, with Matter in Boxing is the degree to which you are involved. It, I'm not involved. <laughs> I'm second row tomorrow night, son. I'm not even sitting in the front row. Uh, the Hearn senior era is well past, but I remain an interested fight fan. It's a family business. We talk. Most of our decisions are made over Sunday lunch. And that's how it always should be because we are a quite a unique, I think we're quite a unique family and we're a very unique company. So my role is absolutely being told, shut the fuck up, what do you know? <laughs> and to be honest with you, and I hate to say this, don't, I hope he doesn't hear this, my son is so much better promoter than I ever was and so much of a different level to anyone else in the world that I've watched independently. I assess people across 12 different sports and I assess my son not as my son as an operator and he's a very very good operator and he's honest and he's fair he's got enough money don't need to rob people but he's also sharp and he don't leave $10 on the table so it's a nice mixture but for me I have to tell you for those people that think oh Barry Earn's still making the decisions in the background forget it that's a nonsense I don't make any decisions nor do I want to nor do I feel qualified to in today's changing marketplace so in terms of uh, and so why are you talking to me i mean it's a total waste of time i've got no influence nothing i mean it's just well you're the same as me then uh, but well, no, I think I'm more important than you. <laughs> <laughs> you've been around a long time, Barry, and this is a, ma- a very significant fight. And you, when you've been around a long time, you see how things change and landscape and stuff. And you know, we're basically previewing the fight. Really, we've gone off subject a few times, <laughs> different tangents. But you know, back to Joshua and Ruiz. What's your gut feeling on Saturday night? Well, I think I think it's a real fifty-fifty fight. I think Ruiz is dangerous. I said he was dangerous for the last fight. I saw him as an amateur. I've seen his bits and pieces of his career, watched the Parker fight, etc., etc. The kid can fight. And it always makes me laugh, these so-called boxing experts that look at someone and say, he's a fat pizza delivery boy. I know people that are built like man mountains, and they can't fight at all. So appearances can be very deceiving. This is about a quality fighter in Ruiz who's, who's paid his dues. He's got great feet, yeah. which is ignored by a lot of people. Yeah. He's got fast hands. That's not surprising because he's so small, his hands automatically are faster. So that doesn't mean anything, which is why I'm quite pleased that Joshua's coming in lighter because I think it might give him a bit of speed. And I think Joshua's got question marks on his stamina, especially when he's put under pressure. And that may be induced by nerves more than anything else because I think he's very fit as a human being. But I see this fight one way or the other. I see this either as a highly technical exchange with Joshua keeping at distance or, and I've got a sneaking feeling, it might be an almighty tear up from round one. What's really interesting about it for for me is that there there are about five or six scenarios that I could kind of see as all being perfectly possible. And I wouldn't really be that surprised by by any of them and that, that's a sign that this is this is this is a good it's one. a great fight that's a sign of a great fight when you can't pick a winner and be sure of it that's what you want to see in boxing especially at top level boxing i mean you know people moan when when you when you know who's, who the winner's going to be and you, it might be a shock it might be an upset but when you get a true 50 50 where you can ask a bunch of people they've all got different different winners but also different ways of winning 
different methods of winning. You can all see different sort of methods of how a fighter's going to win. Dave, I don't see a dramatic change in Joshua's tactics, to be honest with you. I don't think you can change your tactics at this stage in your career mm. dramatically. There can be a few tweaks. I think a lot of it's got to, got to do with taking out the mistakes. I mean, I think, I think the first fight, every time he touched Ruiz with a shot that knocked his head back oh, it's like the knockdown the first time yeah. he knocks him down he goes in reckless he goes straight into the yeah, trap yeah, we all yeah. knew beforehand that, that at that range Ruiz is such a dangerous fighter that Joshua yeah. can't get afford to get into that uh, MTM but the trouble is if Josh gets the red mist yes but that's, that's where it, discipline that's him comes over. in discipline's out the window yeah. and then he's a, it's a real toss up I think I think Ruiz takes a better punch than Joshua yeah. that's another issue you know, when, when he knocked him down in the last fight, I turned around to Eddie and said, what time's the restaurant booked? I thought it was all over. What do I know? But more significantly than that, when Ruiz got up, Joshua hit him with a solid right hand, a proper right hand, and he never, he, went, he didn't go down. Yeah. He took the punch really well. Whereas towards the end of the fight, I think Joshua probably more, I saw more exhaustion in him than anything else was going down for punches that you wouldn't expect every weight to go down. But with. I think a lot of that came from the body shots of, of Ruiz. I think the body shots of Ruiz are completely, completely well, got his two great fighters, yeah. really. I mean, but they're different fighters, mm. aren't they? Yeah. And styles make fights. These two are made to create an amazing fight, I think, just because they are so different. And I don't, I don't see... The one thing I think I would be shocked is if this fight went the distance. I don't see this fight any way going the distance. I, I can't so. see it going the distance. Tom, you'd agree with that, would you? Yeah, I can't see the fight going... I can't see the fight reaching eight rounds, if I'm honest with you. I genuinely can't, especially... Josh been looking dangerous in it, in training. He's, he's, done, he's made a lot of necessary adjustments. And people's highlighting on the fact that Joshua might... It might come flashing back that he can be hurt. But let's not forget... If Josh comes out and starts dictating the middle with, with that good stiff jab that he's got, it'd be a reminder to Ruiz ain't a silly man. He's not stupid. He knows he can get hurt, hurt by Josh. And when he notices, well, hold up, he's made this adjustment. He's made, he's made that adjustment. It'd be he's his little brain will be doing be doing backflips as brain, well. So. The brain's a funny thing, Tom, isn't it? I mean. Yeah. It, it, People, you can talk as much as you like, yeah. But there's something inside your head that te- that overrules whatever comes out of your mouth. Of course. Yeah, I mean, I remember a great fight like Errol Christie, unbeaten as an amateur, unbeaten yeah. as a professional, got knocked out, and from that moment on, every time he got touched with a jab, yeah. not in the not in the sparring, by the way, he was sensational. Yeah. But when he had a fight, as soon as he got touched by a jab, his brain said to him, "Fall over." Yeah. yeah. And he did. But Joshua's got to be a lot more active than he was last fight. He gave away too much ground to a very good fighter who can fight going forwards and going backwards. Yeah. It's not just he's not a counterpuncher. Yeah. Joshua is a bit better on the counterpunch, I think, than Ruiz. But Ruiz is dangerous wherever he is because these angles of his shots are not like the traditional heavyweight left jab right hand you know he hits you from angles he hits the body works the body really well he switches from body to head really well he's the full he's the full ticket but Josh has got the power if he gets him on the end of the jab the brain eventually says I think I've had enough of this and then all of a sudden you are a bit more susceptible I mean Josh can punch much much harder than Ruiz don't worry about that but Ruiz, is, I think, has got more technique than Joshua, especially yeah. when he gets close. Yeah, yeah. 
So we've just got a couple of days now until uh, until the fight's upon us. And, and Tom, you're going to be opening the show. You're opening, opening the, the show. No, you're opening Tom, the show. not so little. <laughs> Tom, I can't so little. wait for that. Opening the pay-per-view at the Dibri Arena in, in, in Saudi Arabia. And we've got about five minutes left. Macklin's totally paranoid about being late for things now, you see. So we've he's got he's got a, an interview call with, I think, George Groves and Carl Froch with some papers at half past two back at our hotel, which is about a four-minute walk away, but he wants to get going at a quarter past That's because he's a pro. He's a top pro. Matthew yeah, Macklin is wasn't in, a top pro because he missed his flight on the way out here. <laughs> I know, but that's okay. That's an Irish thing. But, you know, he is a top pro when it comes to timing. But I want to tell you, before we go, before we finish, I'm so excited to see Tom Little on this card because he's got a great bloody story. I mean, he's been an unlucky bastard halfway through his career. Eddie's, I've got to say, I think done you well. Yeah, no, he hasn't he's forgotten done. you, although no. you give him a bit of stick over the time but he's a lump so I'm not going to I'm not going to go further and criticise it verbally but Tom has got a chance and it it ain't a great chance it's a good chance that's the way I'd sum it up you're going to have to box out of your skin but what a platform to open the show and show what you've got Listen, I think it's just what I think stories like you, Tom. I don't want to embarrass you because you, you're a big old lump. And you go sorry. red, yo, I'll probably get sunburned. <laughs> this is what your story is more about. What boxing's about and the opportunities yeah. it gives and the ability to change your life. Because yeah. you win tomorrow night. I've already seen you want a lot more money next fight. I mean, Jesus, not, don't get a day off with Tom not so little. But I'm really excited, and I'll tell you something. I'm not missing one second of this card, and him on the first fight has made my day because I like that type of story. I don't know him well enough to say that, but I think he's a good story. Well, it, it is. It's a brilliant story, and we'll, we'll have to do another one of these just with you because there's so much to get into, but we'll give people a little bit of a taste of it because I only got wind of this fairly recently myself when, when a, a good mate of mine, Sean Brown, did an article on it for, for the Sky Sports website. But, but just tell us how you... You're, you're, you're a traveller, first and foremost, yeah. which a lot of people might not know that. No, because I'm quite well-spoken, believe But you are all, you're all taught to fight from a young age. It's, yeah. it's bred into you from a young age. So just tell people how you very first got into into boxing, the story around the, the, the refereeing and... Yeah, do, do you know what? I boxed at a high-level amateur, but the last amateur fight I had, I was 75 kilos. Got to the finals of the ABAs, I think, I think it was. I'm not sure if it was the ABAs or the junior ABAs. But I went away from boxing, ne- never bothered with it. I went and got married. That, that was it. I just, forget it. Let's go and cut some trees down and, and tarmac someone's driveway and get out of Dodge. <laughs> and then I get to phone call. I get I get to phone call 12 o'clock at night. My best pal's had a scrap at a wedding. He said, I need you to come and like show me fair play. What, what referee, make sure I get it fair. So I've gone. Anyway, I've gone, got out of bed, tracksuit buttons on. Put my trainers on, turn up to this destination unknown, <laughs> and uh, the two lads are two lads are fighting, and, and I'm I'm genuinely doing the best I can to show them both both the the best of respect and that. And all of a sudden, someone comes flying out of what's him, and I got set on by two lads, and ended up losing the top bit of my ear. And I was getting fit to uh, to have a fight with the lad that bit my ear. Because, long story short, and I ain't just saying it, I did write the two of them right off. And no no pride in me saying that because they're, they're both a pair of stumble bums. But I went in the gym and Graham L seen me in the gym and said, what, what are you doing? I said, I've I said, I got a fight in six weeks. He went, what? 
amateur, professional. What? What? No, I'm fighting outside six weeks. <laughs> he went. He went. All right, mate. And he was watched watch me for a couple of days, just doing my own bit of thing. And he was like, "Listen, let me get your let me get your alliance." So, wherever I end up, no matter what I achieve, I've, I'm already. Uh, listen, my re- record is not glittering, not by no chance. I, I'm one of them. I take a punt. I take a gamble. Let, let, come on, let's go. But. I'm already an overachiever because I never had no aspirations of, of doing anything in boxing. So I'm here by the good grace of God and by, by, the, by the fact that I'm willing to take, take a chance on myself. And listen, I thank people like Eddie and Sky that, that are willing to take a chance. Don't be wrong. Listen, I know I'm not here to, to what's that? I know Majinoff's the man, the man who's, who's invested in. But listen, I'm not one of them that... that Take take scripts and just read off them because I can't read for a start. But <laughs> I plan on ripping this it. Is, up. This is not a story. This is a movie. This is a bloody movie, isn't it? I mean, you can forget Rocky. It's like made up rubbish. This is a proper story. And by the way, we've not invested in Madanoff. Don't worry about that. We'll be very happy to see you win. Yeah. But of course, that's nothing to do with us. It's up to you when you get Listen, in. But don't worry what about a great that. story! He goes to a wedding where we're having a tear up in the car park. I mean, and here we are now in Riyadh, Saudi Arabia. He can't even fill in his passport form because he can't read. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and I'm sitting, and I'm sitting next to him, and I'm highly intelligent. I'm in awe of this man. Something's gone badly wrong, hasn't it? <laughs> Trust me, I'll know what seat I'd rather be sitting in. Well, of course you don't. Listen, you wouldn't want to be if you were 72 years old. You've got a life in front of you, young man. This seat might look better for you in 12 months. Yeah. That's, that's what boxing's about. How many fighters has Caldwell had? I mean, look, he's only knee-high to a grasshopper. <laughs> <laughs> and he's had fighters that come from nowhere. And I, and I always think, of, I know I'm always soft on Sam Eggington, but this kid was the same as you. He wanted to be an opponent just to get a few quid in for his family. Ended up winning a British Commonwealth and European title. Yeah. So if you believe enough in yourself, yeah. if, I know you've got ability. You're a tough old geezer, but well, it's not. There's a difference between the cobbles and yeah. the ring. Two different players. And you're fighting a technical fighter tomorrow, oh, Saturday night. Listen. So your heart and your spirit's got to get you through because your basic technical ability won't. Listen, That's my, the nutshell. My go, my ultimate goal is, and the, and I've said this from day one. If my if I find out my little boy, and it's the whole reason I do this, and I and I, I can put my hand on whatever's holy. I, if my little boy's walking around at 16, 17, doing what I was doing, I failed him as a father, because my I've got an opportunity to lead my children a privileged lifestyle. That's the whole reason I do, do what I do. That's the whole reason I put myself in the situations I I put myself, I put myself in. So. That is my main main drive, and I ain't listen. Amateur pedigree aside, and listen, sure he's done amazing stuff. Listen, there's nothing like the drive and hunger. Listen, I know my chances of running out. I've already had probably five more chances than some poor fella on a Steve Goodwin show's ever gonna get. So it's do or don't for me, and the drive I've got in my stomach. Listen, Maginos amateur titles will not be taking that away from me. No way. If he's fast, I'll be faster. If he's strong, I'll be stronger. And listen, I don't care. I don't think there's a man in Saudi Arabia with a bigger heart than I've got. So, listen, we're, we're the proof in the proof's in the pudding, and it's best when it's getting eaten, isn't it? So let's roll on Saturday. Well, that's a brilliant place to leave it. That's a great place to leave it.
Like, like I say, we will, we will definitely have to talk to Tom again. I did hear rumour uh, of a story from your past involving a contest with Billy Joe Saunders as well, but I'll just leave that out there as a little <laughs> teaser, a teaser for next time. <laughs> you, can, you could confirm or deny at some point if, uh, if, you, if you so choose. Anyway, thanks to everybody who's contributed to this. Barry, thanks so much. We just saw you wandering through the door, pulled you over. Same thing with Dean White, same thing with Gerald Washington. This has been enormous fun. Uh, we'll do another one on Sunday. Uh, and I think this is probably the place for it, isn't it? This is probably the place to be. Just take a seat down here and uh, all the high rollers wander by. <laughs> so thanks, gentlemen. This has been, uh, as I say, fantastic. And I hope you've all enjoyed listening to it. Uh, different week for us this week on Mac's Take, of course. So we brought you this one today. I will be getting this up um, available to listen to as quickly as possible if I can overcome my normal technical technological shortcomings, which is by no means guaranteed. Uh, and then we'll bring another one for you on Sunday looking back on whatever does happen on Saturday night. That's it for Macklin's Take. As I say, we'll be back in a couple of days. Sports Social Podcast Network.